This is Hitting the Mark, conversations with founders and investors about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success, with your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Garhalter. Welcome to Hitting the Mark. Today we are moving from skiing and snowboarding to surfing and skating, which is by sheer timing coincidence, but it worked out rather swimmingly as we are transitioning into summer here in Los Angeles. Many of you know that I'm actually overlooking the ocean right now while recording every one of these sessions. I'm very fortunate to live and work by and frequently play in the ocean. On today's show, we welcome a founder who is doing his part in keeping the ocean clean. And he's doing it through his brand that is selling skateboards, sunglasses, surfboard fins, and Jenga games. <laughs> ben Kneppers is a co-founder of Bureo, an emerging B Corp focused on creating innovative solutions to ocean plastic pollution. Through the team's initiative, Net Positiva, Bureo has created Chile's first ever fishnet collection and recycling program. Net Positiva provides fishermen with an environmentally sound end-of-life solution for their fishing gear, while Bureo receives highly recyclable raw materials to create innovative products that bring net positive solutions to the world. Remarkable stuff, and I cannot wait to get into it. With that being said, welcome, Ben. Thank you so much. So happy to be here, and thanks for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. Hey, it's a, it's a big pleasure. Where are you calling in from today? You're, you're an international traveler. Where are you now? <laughs> I am, <clears throat> right now, I'm in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Um, so this is actually kind of home base for me at the moment. Uh, it's, I know it's a little complicated us <laughs> operating in Chile, but we're dramatically growing, and, and uh, as is my family. <laughs> so... That's brought me to Sao Paulo. Oh, that's beautiful. And, and how, did it, how did it all get started? I mean, you're from Southern California originally, right? Actually, no. I'm, I'm actually from New England. I grew up um, in Southern Massachusetts. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, okay. Yeah. You, it's been a pretty big whirlwind. Yeah, looking at your profile, I mean, you, you worked everywhere. I mean, from New Zealand, Australia, Boston, Southern California, and, you know, it, it, seems, like, it seems like you guys... How, how did you meet? Like, I think it's uh, you and two other co-founders, right? Yep, that's right, David and Kevin, and then soon after we brought on uh, Greg, which was a childhood friend of Dave's. Um, so we actually all, all um, funny enough, we, we all grew up in New England, which is the northeast of the U.S., and, um, but we actually first, all three of us connected on the other side of the world in uh, the northern beaches of Sydney, Australia. Uh, I was working as an environmental consultant, had a uh, spare room in the apartment I was renting, and uh, Dave moved in, uh, continuing his career as a financial consultant, and, uh, and then his really good friend Kevin from engineering school um, was doing a surf trip around the world with his brother Brian, and and uh, came came through uh, Australia as well. So, although um, we grew up fairly close by, we actually met for the first time together on the other side of the world. And and then at some point, you guys must have gone surfing, and you started thinking about this idea of creating change. Yeah, that's that's uh, that hits it right on the mark pretty well. I mean, we <clears throat> we really obviously just connected. 
immediately over um, surfing and just enjoying the ocean environment, which you really can appreciate in in Australia. Um, and and just just spend we all spend our free time in that in that space. Um, Kevin and David are really avid surfers, so. Um, they take it to a whole nother level than me. I, I just personally am I'm someone that's always worked in sustainability in the environment and and do appreciate a good surf when when it's a nice fun three to four foot day. <laughs> when when did that when did that idea spark? You know, you, you guys are all surfing. Obviously, you come from from the sustainability background, um, so it was just meant to happen. But but what was that moment when you guys just kind of like put one and one together? And tell us a little bit about what happened after that after that time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's pretty crazy to look back and see how long ago it is now. But I would say back in probably 2011, 12, something along those lines, when we first met, um, you know, the, the free days we had were basically just spent uh, at the beach surfing all day and then having a few beers at night and And, um, and then the days working were very long and, and I, I would regularly see Dave coming home around midnight from the office. And, um, when we did have those late night drinks, we, we kind of just connected on this, this, um, idea that there's, what if we were to take all of these interesting skill sets we had, Dave was working in finance, Kevin was working in engineering design at Boeing. Um, and I was working in um, sustainability consulting and, and combine them into something we were really passionate about. They always really appreciate how I got to do that with my consulting work, but quite honestly, I wasn't really seeing it pay off enough because it was just writing reports and, and doing research, and I wasn't really seeing that real change that, uh, that really got me into that field. Um, so over those late-night beers back in 2011, I would say, Uh, we just thought, what if we could combine those skills and, and do something more meaningful? And we, you know, as you do, you just have those conversations and, and life goes on. And, um, and so what mine led to is an opportunity to work, continue my career as a sustainability consultant in Santiago, Chile, um, where I was continuing the, in that space. And, and I came to this amazing country that was just so rich with Uh, natural environment still very much untouched, but also uh, a really great support system for entrepreneurs. And I really not never thought of myself as being one, but um, looking at that space and and uh, I just relayed that back to David and Kevin and saying, "Remember those talks we had all that time ago? Well, here's a space where we could really do something with it." Um, and there was a a program called Startup Chile, and uh, it's basically one of the best programs you can find globally to get, get a startup off the ground where you submit a pretty straightforward application and if you get accepted, you get seed funding, visas to come to Chile, offices, support network um, to get your business off the ground. And so the next application was in uh, six months. So we just put it on to ourselves to, to come up with some innovative idea that was really going to captivate <laughs> that passion for the ocean environment. And, and complement something meaningful with with these skill sets that we've all gained in very unique areas that's pretty funny so so first there was the opportunity then there came the idea yes yeah you can definitely say that i mean it all starts with the passion of course of i course. think that's the most yeah. important thing but certainly went that way yeah And so, and so then, then, you know, obviously you got, you got accepted. Um, and, and, and how was the journey from that idea on paper 
to actually hustling and getting these fishermen involved and the community involved and creating this entire um, you know chain of events until you actually have plastic come out on the other side that you can reuse. I mean, it's it's a pretty it's it's a pretty complex process when you think about it. But when I watch your videos on Vimeo, it's, it 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 seems so easy. It's like you pop it in and out comes the skateboard, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I mean that that was the beauty of it, right? Is is that it was such a a, a idea that that anyone can get around their head. You you collect these fishing nets that that can become a big pollution in the ocean. Instead, let's collect them, let's melt them down, and let's make new stuff out of them. I mean, it makes perfect sense, right? But the, the so reality easy. is so easy. Yeah, so easy. Why isn't anyone else studying it? Um, the reality is, 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 um, that was great to have such a clear vision, but of course the reality of getting something accomplished in a, especially in a new country within a different culture than you're accustomed to, um, different regulations, different, you know, supply chain requirements, um, figuring it all out from scratch, especially from creating a, an entirely new supply chain that's never existed before. Um, it was an immense challenge and, um, I definitely something we, we should probably write a book about someday because it was just unreal. But at, at the end of it all, what really was the breakthrough was um, when you build the strong relationships with these people. A lot of the time, especially in, in communities that are considered maybe a bit underserved when we're in, in our case, a lot of these artisanal fishing communities, um, they do get actually a fair amount of people coming through and and saying we want to do this and that and promising them a lot and especially them being foreigners and then uh, they they get they've gotten their heart broken a few times so they're a bit hesitant to the the foreigner coming in and saying they're going to save the day so mm -hmm. it was actually the commitment we showed you know it was just the three of us we didn't have money to employ anybody to start and we wanted to know the process it was just the three of us collecting scrubbing down these nets cleaning them packing them getting them sent to the recycler and I think it was when we showed day in and day out that we were turning up and actually doing what we said we were going to do. Um, we got a lot better, a lot stronger relationships, and and uh, and then the big breakthrough was when we came back with those first products. When when we showed this skateboard made yeah. from their their fish their their once fishing net trash, um, they, it was just a huge breakthrough, and that was a really exciting moment where where we got a lot more momentum for the project and. And we could see this thing really take hold. And so how, how does it work with the fishermen? I mean, how do they get involved? Do they literally take their nets out of the boat and then they clean it themselves and they just put it into basically your own version of recycling bags? Yeah, I mean, it, it started that way as, as something as straightforward as that. But really what what um, we got to as a much more effective route is is to have every community have a representative, a, a community collection manager, and then have every large fishery work directly with our regional collection manager. So every, every community or every fishery is kind of these sources of nets um, where we, we do a launch, we do a big campaign to make people aware that your end-of-life nets can now go through our program, so, so don't discard them. Um, in the case of a low-income artisanal fisherman, we compensate them directly per kilo for that effort of, of returning the nets and incentivize them to not discard them in the environment. And then in the case of these large commercial fisheries, um, that would otherwise be having to, um, in some cases, find a reuse market for them. But, but in general, you'd have to pay to send this to a landfill. And, and what right. we do in return is 
we provide this free service to donate the nets to us. And then for every kilo of net donated, we finance local community projects that we create with them um, to benefit the, the greater area, the greater community. And, um, and it's been a really effective model because um, it's, uh, it's, it's it, as we say, create a truly net positive impact. We're preventing this waste. We're employing local people. And we're, we're generating funds to address the greater issues of, of each area, each community, uh, with the money we can generate from the nets. Um, but the deeper thing is that, that, that you need to, to have change in order to truly prevent people from discarding waste is no longer having them see it as waste anymore. You're never going to mm-hmm. throw a dollar bill on the ground because you know it's worth something. So the last thing that's going to be polluting... Uh, the, the environment is most likely going to be dollar bills because it's worth something. And so when we can make the connection to, to these people, it causes a behavior change to no longer see it as a waste material, but instead as a resource. And, and that's where we can really ensure um, that, that this is not going to end up in the environment anymore because there's only so far we can take it with, um, with our effort from, from what ends up in the ocean. So it actually has a lot to do more with that behavior change aspect to truly prevent all of it from ending up in there. How did you how did you create that method? Was it something that I mean there's there's other companies that do similar processes. Did you did you learn from them or did you just kind of figure it out as you were doing it? It was it was a pretty organic process. Um, World Wildlife Fund Chile um, helped shape that plan very early on. Uh, in our operation, and we also seeked a lot of advice from other people in the the fishing industry um, to get guidance on on how to most effectively carry that out into that cultural that context. Um, we did also get a really great source of inspiration from what I think is probably the 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 pioneers of this space being the networks program um, and and uh, that's run through the Zoological Society of London. Um, and that, that, um, I actually was given, they, they've set up this program, very similar program to collect nets for recycling in, in Asia. And I had the pleasure of going and visiting their, their operations, um, in about two years ago in the Philippines. And it was as much as I could understand from them, it was actually really remarkable, uh, the, the intricate details of their operation, how similar it was to what we, what we eventually came up with. Um, and, and that was a great exchange of ideas for both of us to, to share what we were doing differently and, and how one another could, could improve on them. Very cool. How, talking about inspirations, um, how did your work with Patagonia come about? A lot of us have mentors, but it sounds like your mentor is a brand and, and one of the most admired <laughs> brands out there, at least in my eyes. How did that amazing relationship get on its way? Was it through the investment arm, Tinshed Ventures? It was. It was. I mean, we we always had um, Patagonia as as our benchmark, as our guiding light for a authentic, truly um, mission driven company trying to create uh, the most sustainable product, as well as being a great quality product. Um, so it just hit all the boxes for us on, on what we wanted to try to achieve as a brand and and in our own context. Um, but uh, the, the way it went about is, is all the way back from when we applied for that first grant in Chile, um, one of the advice we got from somebody uh, in the program was it would be really good, you guys creating a consumer product, 
to have someone from the retail space to really recommend that write a letter of recommendation to support this and so all the way back then we we got to connect with Patagonia tell them what we were about what we were planning on doing and and just got such positive feedback and and support and guidance from them and we just thought it was going to be left at that thanks for the letter of recommendation that's great um, and we, we were aware of their Tin Shed Venture Fund, which is, um, it's, it's their arm of Patagonia that provides seed funding investments into early stage, um, startups that are also having this shared value, uh, effort to, to benefit the environment and society. And, um, but we always thought we were just way too small for something like that. And coincidentally, um, we got a piece in the CBS Evening News out of anything, and ah. it just happened to be watched by um, the, the the manager of that fund, and uh, he reached out to us. It actually didn't really have anything to do with the other relationships we already had, um, and and we had a sit down meeting and and the tell told them what we were planning on doing and in a very humble way compared to them, and and uh, the rest is history. They they've been our major and our main investor and, and huge supporter for us to get to where we we're on path now today. So in a way that, that, that PR piece uh, on CBS, uh, that, that actually in the end turned you into, into a real brand, right? I mean, that was, that was kind of like the beginning of, of, of the entire, the entire journey in a way, or was Absolutely, it? Patagonia? Yeah. It was both. It was one, one fed the other very quickly. Yeah, and, and and the whole way that piece went out was actually really, um, I think it was, I have to say that it was pretty clever how we came up with getting on CBS Evening News and some other press outlets um, that we got into so share, early on. Share, share. <laughs> so when we, everything, after we had that, we had a, the six-month Startup Chili program, all of that was geared towards us having the first working product being our first skateboard made from recycled fishing nets and um that was going to all lead into a kickstarter campaign because because that was really going to finance the first production run and get us get us to keep going quite frankly because we're we we didn't have any more funds from from the startup the startup chili grant and so when we thought of the kickstarter we needed to get publicity um one of the really clever things we we figured out was okay, we obviously don't have any big marketing budget, but who in their best interest wants to see us succeed and promote our, our kind of effort that we're doing here? And so we started to think of people that were in our networks that were also along for this ride. So, you know, there was a straightforward ones like our, our skateboard wheel manufacturer and truck manufacturer that was going to be paired with, with this really unique skateboard. Um, obviously, the Startup Chile program wanted to promote us, so we got some great press in Chile. And then it even went as far as we followed up with our, our universities that we did our undergraduate engineering degrees. And one of them, uh, mine, uh, Northeastern University in Boston, they had a grant program for, for startups coming out of the university as well. And, and they supported us early on. So um, when we reached out to them saying, hey, we, we finally made it, we're launching this. Um, they they turned their their the the university's big budget PR firm to to run with our story and lo and behold that got us the piece on CBS Evening News which is national news yeah. coverage um, in in the United States so that was that then that was what led to 
the the Patagonia investment director to to see our story. You know, that's I I I so love this because um, you know this is I I don't know what episode this is now maybe twelve or so, but um, it, it, that is a story that is just recurring, right? Like people at some point when they don't have the money to spend on um, on a PR agency, they just go. To LinkedIn and they look at who they're connected with and they start hustling or they start connecting with people where they think they might enjoy the story and that's how it works uh, but it's remarkable it's really remarkable yeah um, so Absolutely, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw that uh, you're part of the 1% for the Planet Network, which we were what must have been one of the first 10 members or so. I recall there was Check Johnson and then there was my former design agency, Guy Halter Design. And it was, it was really, really cool. And it's a mighty, mighty long time ago. But you're also a benefit corporation. And many of my listeners must be interested in forming a B Corp since I keep preaching about cause and belief and transparency and solidarity. Um, but can you share a little bit about how it works and if it was difficult to create a B Corp or if it's also tough to keep keep it up through, throughout the years. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, so first off, what B Corp is really about is recognizing companies that truly are benefits corporations that are, are beyond just meeting their, their economic bottom line, but also having this at the same point value for the environment and society. And, um, and it, it sounds intimidating, but actually, um, they have really great resources that can get you right into it. I believe, um, last I checked, they had this really wonderful, um, you know, 15, 20 minute questionnaire that you can just answer right on their website that can already give you a really good snapshot of, of how on track you are with, um, with your company, uh, potential of achieving uh, B Corp certification, um, but but uh, so I would highly recommend starting there because really what it's about is you get this thing that that I think people are becoming more and more aware of called greenwash, which is just these mm -hmm. blanket environmental statements. This is a environmentally friendly product. It's a sustainable product. What does that <clears throat> what does that actually mean? And what you really need to do is have someone independently third party very verify uh those claims and and especially in this environmental space it's very very open-ended and what b corp does is for the consumer lets you know this company that has a b corp label is a uh environmentally and socially responsible company and the other benefit is if you are a company that says we want to become a more environmentally and socially conscious and responsible company, it's, it's your guide to achieving that. Um, it's not a very expensive process to go through. And at the very least, you're going to have, uh, you're going to get a lot of insight on, on what your company can improve. And a lot of those things can end up being cost saving as well. So I highly, highly recommend um, checking it out. At the very least, take 15, 20 minutes of your day to, to try the, the survey and go through it. And, and what it can do is open up brand new markets to create a whole new recognition for, sure. um, for your brand and, yeah. and do good for the planet, which we need so bad right now. So Amen. <laughs> that's, yes. that's my case for, for B Corp. Thank you. I think that was something that everyone had to hear um, because, you know, it sounds like a process and like, you know, everyone is afraid of those kind of things. It even, you know, it, it feels a little bit like, uh, you know, it's setting up a company. It's a, it's a legality and it, it you know, it's a, it's a big deal. But um, 
people need it and people seek B Corps out these days, um, especially when you're trying to staff up. Um, you, you're going to have a much, much easier easier way to find the next generation to be excited about your company. So absolutely recommend it too. Um, your brand was born out of collaboration, right? Like it, it actually requires collaboration in so many ways. And you actively collaborate with other brands from the game brand Chenga to Sunglass brand Costa and bike brand Trek, which we all know and uh, office furniture darling human scale this is such a logical path you took and one that can continuously expand your brand and gain you fans along the way what's next for burio like what exciting projects do you have in the pipeline what can you reveal <laughs> well that's <laughs> that is the problem right <laughs> um it's it i i'll have to keep to pretty general terms but um we always have We've got a lot of pretty exciting announcements right around the corner. Unfortunately, a lot of those are under NDA. So, We're not at um, the corner yet. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, um, so, well you'll, but, check, you'll check back with us then. Absolutely. But I mean, overall, I mean, that model is really, um, that collaboration model has really been what's been um, uh, working so well for us. And, and it, it's something that, again, just kind of happened organically. Um, we were intimidated with the idea starting out, obviously, to be a raw material supplier um, because we we're just this small idea, small idea that we wanted to prove first. So um, what better way to prove this material than, than make a skateboard that's a, a, it's a product that needs high, dur high level of durability and performance? And then the next thing we came out with, with the same plastic from was, was sunglasses that is a very precise, detailed product. Um, that also has a very special performance characteristics. And um, so from there, it was almost our, our case study for showing the, the potential applications of this material. Um, and, but at the same time, we were seeing that at working as a small business, we were getting access to far more fishing nets than we could sell through our, our small line of products. So this, this whole collaborative effort has just fit perfectly in with, with what we're passionate about, which is we, we're, more, we're much more passionate about getting as many communities on board with our program, preventing this waste, providing funds for local uh, environmental projects, and, and just overall creating a really positive solution to this material rather than how we started out, which was, you know, how many skateboards can we sell in a month? And, and that was a little bit less... In, in our mindset, then, then let's make a really big impact. So by collaborating with these like-minded brands that share our same values and, and are in full support of what we're trying to achieve, um, it allows us to stay focused on that, on that part and grow as much as we can. And that, that's exactly what we're doing. We, we just launched in Peru, uh, where we now have Net Positiva running in partnership with World Wildlife Fund uh, Peru. Um, I just got back from Argentina and Uruguay, um, where we're planning to launch there by middle of this year. And, and really what we're on track to do is over a thousand tons of nets um, annually that, that can generate a heck of a lot of money for community projects and local employment while we're doing it. That's so amazing. Congratulations. That's 
that's a pretty big a pretty big uh, footprint that you're living at this point. I, I read just last night, it was funny, I read um, a story about This Bar Saves Lives, which uh, which seems like a great company with an unfortunate brand name. But uh, what, what one of the founders said is he said, we're a mission with a company, not a company with a mission. And I thought that was really, really cool. And it seems like that's a little bit in the way that you, that you operate that, I mean, you, you give the company a whole lot of a whole lot of thought, but it's so much about collaboration, just spreading it. And I'm wondering, you know, since you since you did not want to get too deeply into what's next for you as far as like the next collaboration, what is the ultimate vision for your brand? Like, you know, like like how are you guys working your way to fulfilling that mission day in, day out to 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 really make this huge impact? And how huge is that impact? Like let, what's your 10 year plan? What do you want to achieve? I mean, ultimately, what we want to achieve is become, uh, and, and I can define this further if this is a foreign term, but we want to become the um, circular economy solution for the fishing net um, industry, mm-hmm. the fishing industry, the fishing net industry. Um, so basically, every fishing net that comes offline that no longer has a useful life, we can then collect, transform into positive products, and that can continue carrying on. Uh, this this in within this circular economy. That's ultimately what we want to do. Take it global. Every fishing net that comes online, this it, this idea of discarding in the net just doesn't make any sense anymore. And and we practically find this really positive solution for that raw material. That's when that's when net positive comes into into play. Which, by the way, is is, is such a cool is such a cool term. Um, talking about terms and names, tell us the story behind the name. I already know since I watched your documentary last night, so I, I won't spoil anything. Sure. I mean, there's there's even a little funny backstory. I'll try to do my best to be quick with. But you know, when we started, we wanted to just go with the the skateboard, um, and the first idea was let's make a fish shaped skateboard, make the connection with the fishing nets. When I grew up in New England, a common small fish, this being a small design skateboard, the first board, uh, I said, let's name it the Minnow, and let's name it Minnow Skateboards, the the, the company. It's mm-hmm. just starting out as a, a skateboard company. And I was living in Chile at the time, sharing this whole idea of the business with all my Chilean friends, and all my buddies were like, no. And I was like, what do you mean? And Chileans have a lot of slang, and uh, it just so happens the 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 slang I was familiar with was Mina is the the female version of of a very attractive girl, and the masculine version of it happens to be very similar to Mino. It's Mino, so they were basically saying if you were to name your company Mino, it would be like the attractive man skateboard. <laughs> so that that didn't really translate well. And so we went back to the drawing board and we just looked at um, all these different words in in there. And it was, again, a Chilean friend that introduced me to um, this beautiful word um, from the native uh, Chilean uh, language uh, from the Mapuche people, uh, their language Mapudangun, uh, which is Boreo was the word, um, which means waves. And Boreo being this fun, bouncy word, not the easiest to pronounce, to be fair, but, but interesting. And, and uh, the, the reflecting on it, it just was so symbolic of what we were trying to do. It was uh, just totally. as a wave starts uh, with this small disturbance in the ocean, we were these three gringos in Chile with really nothing to offer other than this, this passionate idea we had. 
Um, but just as a wave, um, that small disturbance with time and energy can become this great force of nature. And, and that's really what we see with Boreo is in these collaborations and all this effort, this movement we're trying to do with, with the fishing industry globally is, is to become this great force of change uh, that can truly transform this thing that was once a small thought into, into a massive reality. Absolutely, absolutely. No, it's it's a it's a it's a great great name, and I love the story behind it. And you worked so hard on creating your brand. I mean, from the imagery you used, the amazingly produced videos that you craft, and all the ways to 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 all the names that you trademark. What does branding mean to an organization like yours, or to you personally? Yeah, I mean, it means a lot to hear that uh, hear you say that from from someone that works in this space so heavily. I mean. To be honest, we were three mechanical engineer undergrads, so we had no real background in this space. Um, but what we started to see was, um, on one side, uh, people really connected with with our effort and our intentions. I mean, there were so many things that you would try to, you would think mean nothing at the time and just get in the way. And we're so glad we stayed true to our value sets early on, and when it came to traceability and transparency and doing things as authentically and as responsible as possible. Um, and, and it all just managed to carry through what we've become today. Um, and, and that ultimately is at the end of the day, the most valuable thing, uh, we can do is create a really, is create a really strong brand because none of our stuff is, is, um, patented. Anybody can go out and collect fishing nets and recycle it and make a skateboard or sunglasses or anything else. Anyone can do that. But, but what we can show is through our brand is the authenticity and, and the know-how and this shared value commitment and the positive impact we can create through our, our very much custom and authentic um, a model that, that we've created over the past, past six plus years. And that all has to be tied to a strong brand identity that you know, again, it was great collaborative effort. My wife is a is a textile designer. She did a lot of the early artwork. Friends that are filmmakers that did a lot of the beautiful cinematography for us in our videos early on. And and now having these big companies coming in and using our plastic, they're now bringing their expertise um, to the table, and it's it's taking it even to a whole nother level. So it's it's exciting. Absolutely. Um, can you? Describe your brand in one word. Uh, it's a, it's a tough one. <laughs> it's, I, I call it I call it your brand DNA. It's it's really it's a feeling. It's a cause. It's an action. A mindset. But really, Burio in one word. Any thoughts? Yeah, I, I have to say I, I cheated on this one. I'm glad you sent me the question because <laughs> I did have some time to reflect on this. And I mean, I was gonna go with positive, but I think everyone uses positive and positivity right now. But I think the bigger one is is regeneration. A big mm. reason I got out of the consulting world and, and got into the private sector with, with this my own private business with my, my partners was because I wasn't seeing enough change. I was working in, in government policy, highest levels of like working with the UNEP to some of the biggest companies in the world, consulting for Walmart and, and Coca-Cola and so forth. And what I was seeing on all these levels is is governments absolutely essential for governments to to shift and, and make movements towards a more sustainable future. But 
I was a little bit too impatient for that work. It's very <laughs> slow. It's very bureaucratic, and, and it was sure. kind of driving me nuts. And and the part that I liked was how businesses, granted, big ones are, are big oil tankers and take years to turn. Um, but but small lean businesses could make change very very rapidly. And the whole idea of what started Boreo for me was was can we use business for good? Can we actually um, not just uh, do less harm to the environment, but actually regenerate the environment through business practices. And it's something we have almost treated as, as almost a, a scientific study. Um, we, I actually published a journal uh, last year with, with my father-in-law, who's a professor, and uh, on this effort that we're doing, which is we've, we've conducted a complete life cycle assessment of our plastic, which is basically the scientific method of, of measuring the environmental cost of creating something. The most common would be your carbon footprint. Um, but we do it in all environmental impact categories. And then through this, this shared value model where we give back, uh, reinvest in these communities with the money we're gen part of the money we're generating from the, the sale of the material, um, we actually have been able to offset the, those impacts. And what that ultimately means is we can achieve a net positive, a regenerative uh, output with this material. So we're actually doing more good than bad, where most companies in this space get recognized for doing less bad. You're still stealing. You're still doing bad, just mm -hmm. less bad. And there should be more about doing more good. And then I guess the other part of that word regeneration that connected with me was was not so not exactly tied to the word but it is i guess is generation is is inspiring that next generation coming up is oh for sure so so important to have a kid that's growing up right now that he already has hopefully one of his favorite things could be our skateboard that's made from this material that was once perceived as a as a trash or even not even thought of as recyclable now has that seed in his head at such an early age and understands the importance of doing those things that's a generation I think that will really, I hopefully, I'm hopeful that will really turn things around. I think we're a transitional generation and then they're going to come in with a really clear head and, and know what's right and wrong and, and get, get us fully on that right track. I really think and I really hope so too. Um, and that word, by the way, um, regeneration, that, that, that is your brand DNA now. <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> yeah. it is absolutely perfect for, for your brand. And I'm, I'm glad that I pushed you a little bit up front um, so that you had some time to think about this. Um, how can our listeners get involved with your cause or grab a skateboard from your brand to be part of the change? I mean, you can obviously come to our website, um, just bereo.co, um, and then certainly we're very active on social media, always giving updates of our progression, um, definitely on Instagram, just at bereo on Instagram, uh, and uh, it's, it's pretty interesting because we, we, we really pride ourselves on being transparent with our efforts. Um, certainly there's a lot of fun and cool skateboarding and surfing pictures, but We also really like to post the nitty gritty of like, this is what 15,000 pounds of fishing net that we just collected looks like. And this is the products we're now generating. This is the community projects we just financed thanks to those nets, thanks to people buying our products. So um, it, it's really powerful that, that I feel when you can let people in on that story and know that they're a part of it by supporting us. And, and those ways, obviously, going to checking out our online store 
and and just simply following us. A lot of our collaborated businesses see what our numbers are like on as followers on on social media, and so the more followers you can get, really actually does help us get more collaborators. So so it does make a difference for us. Yeah, for sure. And 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 I urge everyone to also check out Burio's Vimeo channel um, and definitely catch the Net Positiva documentary uh, while you're while you're there. Um, I'll include some links in the notes as well. But thank you, Ben. I wish this could go on for another hour because there's plenty. <laughs> there are plenty more questions, plenty more things uh, I, I want to know. But um, we only have that much time. Um, this was so great to have you on the show. You know, all the way from from across the <laughs> across the world. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks again for the opportunity. And thank you all for listening. Give us a quick rating or even a review wherever you listen to this show. I would greatly appreciate it. This podcast is brought to you by Brentro, our publishing arm where you can pick up a signed copy of my latest book, Bigger Than This, How to Turn Any Venture into an Admired Brand for a silly 11 bucks. And if you like today's episode and the Burio story, I'm almost certain you would enjoy the case studies and takeaways in the book. The Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time when we once again will be hitting the mark. <laughs>